With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Welcome to Al Bernstein Unplugged Unboxing. In a 40-year Hall of Fame career, Al has chronicled some of the greatest moments in boxing history. On this podcast, you get to hear him expand on those memories and talk about the current news in the sport of boxing. You also hear Al interview some of the biggest names in the sport. Here's Al Bernstein Unplugged. Hi, everybody, and welcome to this episode of the show. On this show, we're going to interview Daniel Roman. Danny Roman, the 122-pounder uh, who is in a important match on the September 26th pay-per-view broadcast that uh, I'll be announcing on Showtime. That'll be coming your way. And uh, we'll also, of course, have your questions that we answer. And uh, in order to do that, we bring in my friend and colleague, Mr. Trip Mitchell. Trip, how are you? I am great. And I know you don't list, mention that we're former teammates on one of the greatest old men basketball teams of all time. <laughs> That's right. We had lots of fun, you and I, playing basketball here in, uh, in Las Vegas. And we were in all kinds of leagues together and uh, where we uh, pretended to take basketball seriously and uh, had some fun. You know, it's funny you think about it. Guys love basketball when we get to be over 40. And I was going to say, too bad you can't do that in boxing, but what the heck? <laughs> there are a lot of senior matches coming up and maybe one coming up this fall with Tyson and Roy Jones Jr. <laughs> yeah, that one uh, still technically scheduled, though Roy Jones is talking about uh, some issues that he may have with it. So we'll see. Um, but yeah, everybody, uh, it, it's almost like there's a senior boxing circuit happening. And uh, But meantime, there's, there's lots of uh, boxing going on that involves the current day fighters. Well, Ramirez uh, escaped disaster against Postal this weekend. Uh, what were your thoughts on that fight? Yeah, um, Jose Ramirez defending his title against Victor Postal, a former champion at 140 pounds. And it was uh, a very interesting fight uh, in which Victor Postal boxed very effectively, as his trainer, Freddie Roach, said he would. Uh, and Jose Ramirez, always the aggressor, uh, did his best to make it that kind of a fight. And they both got a lot of things done in this match that were very good. And it seemed to the naked eye to be a very close fight. Uh, one judge did have it scored. It went 12 rounds. One judge did have it scored 114-114, a draw, which is where I kind of lean. Another judge had a 115-113 for um, Jose Ramirez. And another scorecard, which I thought was pretty wide, was 116-112 for Ramirez. Uh, so Ramirez keeps his crown and equally as importantly for him, keeps alive uh, his hopes of having a unification match with Josh Taylor, which is what top rank his promoter is trying to work out next. And that will be a fan, a fight that fans will really want to see. Obviously there was some controversy generated over the decision in this match. I thought the 116, 112 uh, card on behalf of Ramirez was excessive. I, I, it's very hard for me to imagine him winning eight rounds and Postal only winning four rounds in this fight. Um, 
I, I thought we, uh, something close to a draw was acceptable, the 115, 113 scorecard uh, by the one judge. You could certainly live with that, uh, though I don't know if I'd go there. But you can, you can make the case for that. And uh, I think that more importantly, Jose Ramirez, who's shaking off some rust, as almost all fighters are these days because of the COVID-19 layoff, uh, wasn't at the top of his game. And Victor Postel, who even at age 36, I knew going into that match, and I've said it on this show and elsewhere, was going to be effective. And he was effective in this fight. So it showed us two things. Jose Ramirez has a little bit to work on before he gets in with Josh Taylor. And Victor Postal at age 36 still has plenty left in the tank. When you're watching a fight at home with the family, do you keep score like a baseball person will keep us booked when they're watching a game? You know, I don't. Uh, I kind of try to watch it as a fan, but with an eye toward knowing I'm going to talk about it. Uh, sometimes I will. Uh, or I'll go back and look at the fight and rescore it. This is one where I was almost tempted to do it, but, uh, but I didn't. And uh, uh, I, for the most part, I don't sit and score each round. Uh, I, well, I will do that if I'm watching the bout after maybe it's been DVR'd and I already know it was a real controversial decision and I'm coming back to view the fight, then I'll, you know, <clears throat> score it each round because I'll be curious to see what it comes out to. Would you be, uh, of the announcers you worked with, would you think most of them would be great judges if they were able to switch seats? Some of the the uh, the analyst. Well, of course, I'm mostly working with play-by-play -play announcers. I've been a play-by-play -play announcer working with analysts. You know, boxing analysts. Well, here's speaking to that. I mean, there's two elements to that that question. While you're announcing a fight, I am a firm believer that no broadcaster should score a fight while he's announcing it. And I had to do it for many years, and I was pushed to do it. I finally succeeded uh, at Showtime in um, convincing them to let somebody else do the scoring. And now Steve Farhood uh, does it. And of course, he's not announcing the fight. Uh, because I think it, you're, you have two different functions. And announcing a fight doesn't necessarily lend itself to scoring it. In fact, I think it doesn't. Um, now, as to whether a lot of boxing play-by-play uh, uh, practitioners or analysts would be good judges. I think that varies from person to person. Uh, and, and I don't know, you know, we'd have to see for anyone, I think if for us to judge whether they're a good judge, we'd have to see them judge 15 or 20 fights and then figure out from the body of their work. Yeah, it would be interesting to see. So we've got some great divisions in boxing. The next question comes up, is the 122 pound weight division one of the best in boxing? Yeah, it's one of my favorite divisions. Uh, and it's going to be highly featured on that September 26th pay-per-view card uh, with Luis Neary against Alameda in a <clears throat> very important fight, uh, championship fight. Daniel Roman, who we're going to be talking to in a moment or two in, uh, in his fight. Um, and uh, and uh, also um, Brandon Figueroa will be, uh, will be in a battle uh, as well, uh, who's a terrific fighter. We just had um, Angela Leo uh, winning a version of the 122 pound title, and he was supposed to be fighting Stephen Fulton Jr. Did not, um, that didn't materialize, but they will fight each other. And so um, it's, uh, it's gonna be, 
it's an interesting division with all kinds of talented fighters. Well, it'll sort itself out a little bit on September 26th, and then there'll be a number of other fights after that in which the division further um, kind of figures out who are the top dogs in it. But there's just an amazing amount of talent concentrated there. Okay, we're going to switch gears a little bit on the next question. And because you have so many Twitter followers, a lot of them know that you're an entertainer as well. And we've got a question. Have you ever sang a national anthem at an event? I saw that one. Yeah. Uh, that was, um, yes. Uh, well, no. Uh, well, I have sung an anthem. At, yeah, I did sing it at one boxing match in uh, Oklahoma once, a sm uh, uh, like a, a, a smaller level show. But I have sung the anthem at other sporting events more often. I did, I did several for the, remember the Thunder hockey team that was here in Las Vegas? Um, Very much so, yeah. Yeah, I did, uh, I did the anthem a couple of times for them and uh, another one of the other hockey teams, never for the Vegas Knights uh, here in our new NHL team. And um, I've sung it at a number of, of other events. Uh, but only one time at a boxing match, and I never, though I was asked one time to do it at a, a, a bigger boxing match, I didn't because I was announcing, and they couldn't figure out a way to do the logistics of me going to do that and then sitting down to do the fight. Now, our family has been well represented in singing the national anthem at major fights. Um, my wife and her sister, uh, who are the Rocco sisters, they sang the anthem at the, in a fight I actually was hosting, uh, announcing and doing the hosting work, uh, Vinnie Pazienza and uh, Roy Jones Jr. back in Atlantic City. Uh, Connie Rocco and her sister Kathy both sang the anthem, and if I may say so, did a wonderful job. Um, so that was one. And my son Wes, who is a, uh, a fine singer-songwriter, has done the anthem on several occasions at uh, Showtime boxing matches, one in California and a couple in Las Vegas. So as a family, I think we're about, uh, we're up to, uh, we're heading toward the double digits of uh, singing the anthem at boxing matches. Is, is the anthem as tough to sing as everyone says? You know, I, I don't think it's that hard. I think it's, uh, you know, people say that, but I think it's, it's um, it has a few challenges, but I don't think it, it, it depends on what you want to do with it. Now, some people are much more capable of, uh, of adding flourishes, bending notes, creating a little more excitement in it. Um, uh, people like my wife and my son, <laughs> not like me. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm pretty straightforward. So for me, doing a straightforward version of the anthem is doable. Uh, and I don't think people, people go both ways on, the, on that song. They, they enjoy when people embellish to a point, I think. And, uh, and I think they like uh, the straightforward version too. Well, and then the final question, which is I think always when you're doing live sports is always a concern. Have you ever come close to missing a broadcast? Yeah, that, that, I thought that question was intriguing. Um, there are two things that can make you miss a broadcast. One is not getting there. Uh, and that, almost happened to me once very early in my career. For some reason, I was coming in the day of the show. There was a reason, and it was in, and this was in Dallas, Fort Worth. I was living in Chicago at the time, and this will also show you it was very early. Uh, in the early 80s, and I had just was relatively new to doing the ESPN series, and I was not a world traveler at that point, and when I, I, I got up late, missed my flight, oh. and I was mortified because I was I said, I went there and I said to the uh, uh, 
the ticket person, I said, please tell me there's another flight from Chicago to Dallas. And she started laughing. She said, only about five more today, right? So I've, <laughs> and so I got on the next plane and got there and I got there with about five or six hours to spare. Now there was another occasion when I was going to Russia, believe it or not, where I, I, I went on, uh, I had, I, 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 I missed my connection, not through my own fault, but because of the flights being delayed the day before had to stay overnight in New York. And then the day of the fight was flying from New York to, um, to Moscow. I got there. I, I arrived about five hours before the flight, the traffic getting from there to my hotel in Moscow was outrageous. It took me almost two hours in the car. I finally got to the hotel room. I got dressed. I got there. I, I got there just in time for us to start rehearsing. So that one was a little tight. The other thing that can stop you from, uh, as I said, from doing a broadcast is being ill. And I, uh, there have been a couple occasions when I thought that was gonna happen. I was doing a pay-per-view match with, uh, um, Michael Carbajal was fighting, and I don't remember who he was fighting, but it was in Phoenix, Arizona. And the night before the fight, I got terribly ill. I must've gotten some kind of stomach flu. And I was throwing up all night. The day of the fight I was throwing up, I thought, oh my God, I'm, I'm not gonna be able to make this. And it was only a two-man announce crew, literally a two-man announce crew, me and Sam Rosen. There wasn't even anyone to do interviews and didn't have anybody else to. So there was pressure on me to make this broadcast. I was so sick. So I got, I somehow got myself to the arena and the ring doctor, I said, I told everybody, I, I'm so sick. I, you know, I don't, I'm going to do my best to get through this. They got the ring doctor who said, well, I can, I can fix that nausea for you. I'll give you a shot for nausea. I said, okay, great. Gives me the shot. And sure enough, it's really helping the nausea. But the thing the doctor did not tell me was it makes you tired. Oh, <laughs> so we're doing uh, the fights. And I vividly remember because Scotty Olson, who was a good fighter, Canadian fighter, was on one of the main undercard fights. And I remember it was during that fight. All of a sudden, my eyes are closing. And I'm, I'm so tired, I can barely keep them open. And Sam Rosen sees this. And during the course of that fight, he's elbowing me and everything to keep me... <laughs> From, from literally falling asleep. And somehow I made it through that broadcast. And uh, I, I always think about it, you know, it's one thing to be so boring you make the listeners fall asleep. Making yourself <laughs> fall asleep as a broadcaster is, you know, that's a special accomplishment. Um, so I almost did it that night. I don't know how I got through that show, but that was, that was the night when uh, I almost did not, uh, answer the call to action. Well, one of the questions that circling back to Russia, you literally flew to Russia from New York and did a show on the same day. Same day. Yeah. Was it was crazy. It, it, oh, and here's the, here's the, I'm burying the lead. <laughs> I flew back after the show because we had a, a red eye coming back. They, because the show was like late afternoon. So I literally spent about, 12 hours in Russia <laughs> and came back. So it was like a, a to Russia hotel to, do the, to do the fight. Um, it's pretty crazy. Anyway, um, so 
I mentioned the September 26th uh, fight, uh, the, uh, the pay-per-view that we will have on Showtime. And um, one of the fights on it that is part of this uh, uh, featuring the 122-pound division is Daniel Roman, a former champion who lost his championship um, uh, just before the pandemic uh, really hit uh, and stopped boxing action in a very close decision loss. Uh, and he is fighting uh, against uh, Carlos Piano on this September 26th card in a title eliminator that will lead him to a, a, a chance to win back a, a version of the 122-pound title. He's a delightful young man, and here's our interview with Daniel Roman. Danny, it was the beginning of the year when you fought uh, Mirjad Akhmadaliev, and, um, and it was a terrific fight in which you put your, both your titles on the line and you ended up losing a very close and uh, tremendously fought split decision. That was obviously a, a tough loss for you. How did you get over that loss, both uh, emotionally and physically? Well, uh, first of all, I have been, uh, I think my last uh, loss, it was like six, seven years ago. Before losing uh, yeah, to before uh, that, MJ, yeah, you haven't lost for a long time. Yeah, so um, you know, I, I like I went back, back, back to uh, myself. You know, thought about it. I was like, you know what, what went wrong? Uh, what could we have done to improve the fight to get better? And uh, you know, personally, I I think it was a close fight. You could easily have I, gotten the win. Yeah, I, I think I won the fight. So so I was like, you know what? Uh, let's get back in the gym and uh, let's improve ourselves once again. Yeah, and uh, now you are uh, engaged in uh, on September 26th in a fight that will help pave the way back to a championship for you against Carlos Payano, who is a former champion, and like uh, your previous opponent, is a left-hander. Uh, yes. So in a way, you're facing the same kind, some of the same kind of obstacles. Tell us a little bit about as you've looked at him. Tell us a little bit about uh, Payano. Well, Payano's um, ex-Olympian uh, boxer from uh, Dominican Republic, uh, tough guy. He only got three losses, so he lost with uh, big names against a Japanese fighter, Rasheen Warren, and uh, his last uh, loss against uh, Luis Neri. So he's a veteran fighter um, and next uh, next champion as well. So I know I don't got an easy fight in front of me, and. Uh, you know, but we, we get ready for the best, like we always do. Uh, we don't take nobody lightly. And I think we'll be ready for September 26th. Does his left-handed style uh, uh, present any problem to you? You, As I said, you, you last fought a lefty, and while it was a very close fight, um, you know, left-handers do, you know, present challenges. Yes, uh, I mean, uh, every, uh, well, as an orthodox, you're used to fighting uh, right-handed. So like uh, there's there's not a lot of lefties, but like I I became a world champion against fighting a Sean Kubo a lefty. Right. <laughs> and so I, I've been fighting a couple of left left handers. Uh, I think at this point, I think uh, we'll, we'll make the right adjustments. Uh, I'll see my mistakes that I make on my previous fight, and uh, I think I got them down already. Yeah, you um, you're known as a great technician in the ring, and uh that's your strength. You know, you, 
most people that look at you say, this is a well-schooled fighter. Uh, do you think of yourself that way? Do you think of yourself as one of the, the just the best technical fighters in boxing? Uh, <laughs> you know, I'm gonna leave that for, for the people, you know. I, in my mind, I still, I still think uh, I got a lot to improve. So, I mean, if, if people consider me one of the best uh, technicians out there, you know, it's, it's a great honor, you know. And I'm gonna continue uh, improving in my trade and uh, become even one of the top ones. Well, you are, you're very modest. Uh, you 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 know you 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 won two world titles and you fashioned uh, you fashioned a career that's you know uh, terrific. So clearly you have uh, you've come a long way since your beginning in the sport. If you win this fight, which I know you expect to do against Payano. Um, what do you think looks next for you? There are, in fact, on this card, there are two other Super Bantamweight Championship matches. Uh, and so you might look to some of those people as, uh, as potential opponents, right? Yes, yes, yes. Uh, well, this fight's a WBC a title eliminator. And under that card, we got a Luis Neri against uh, Alameda, Aaron Alameda. Yep. Then we got a... Uh, Figueroa as well. That he's a WBA uh, regular champion. I'm Vasquez. Yes, yeah, so I mean it could be a uh, potential potential fighters in the future. Uh, but it was up to me, you know. Uh, I still got finished business with uh, MJ. Yeah, you love like that to fight Akhmedaliev again. Yes, sir. But whatever you do, though, you want your next fight to be for a world title. Is that true? Yes, yes. We're already up there, and like uh, I think uh, I'm ready. You know, ready to get those titles back as well. Well, and you're 30 years of age, so you you're not certainly toward at the end of your career, but you're at a point where you don't want to waste time getting another title shot, right? Yes, sir. Yeah, and um, the when you look at the division, the 122 pound division is fantastic. I mean, I think it's one of the best in boxing. Uh, how do you feel about your division that you're in and all the great competition and potential big fights that you can have? Oh, I mean, uh, we got great names at, uh, at 122, Super Bantamweight. Uh, a lot of great names, a lot of upcoming fighters as well, you know, trying to get that world title too. And like, uh, we got uh, fighters coming down, uh, coming up from uh, Bantamweight to Super Bantamweight, so it's more names out there. So it, it's, it's only getting hotter. <laughs> it's only going to get good as well, too. You've always been a guy that had to kind of prove yourself. You know, you even, at one point early in your career, you lost your promoter because you lost the fight, and then you had to kind of win them back to, to get them back. And then, of course, you showed you were – you were more than worthy. Do you always kind of feel, even though people recognize your abilities, but in some ways, do you always feel like you're, you're kind of proving yourself? Oh, <laughs> you know, I always go with that mentality, you know, like, you know what, uh, I got to prove myself. I gotta, uh, and that brings the best out of me, you know, because that pushes me even uh, to greater stuff. That, like, you know what, I, I got to prove myself. I got to show everybody who I am. And I, uh, at the beginning of my career, yes, uh, my promoter, I was left by my promoter, and you know, all of that stuff uh, made me stronger. 
into losses as well made me stronger and uh and it made me into a better fighter and i think uh all of this was happening to help me to become to become who i am today and like uh it'll be back again on september 26th i'll prove everybody against why why i was a champion too the card you're fighting on on the 26th is terrific and the uh, we mentioned the the other super bantamweight uh, matches, which are very very good. Uh, Neri against Alameda and uh, Brandon Figueroa against uh, Vasquez. Uh, but in the main fights, we have the two Charlo brothers, yes. uh, Jamal Charlo against Dervinchenko, and uh, and also Jamal Charlo against Jason Rosario. Tell me what you think of those two matches. Uh, those are pretty entertaining and interesting matches, aren't they? Yes, yes. Uh, you can say the main event, uh, both of the Charlos, you know, always uh, trying, to, trying to take the guy's head off. <laughs> so it'll be an entertaining fight, you know, they're, they're like uh, going against uh, tough opponents too. So it's going to be a, a hell of a night, a great night, you know, but like, like always, uh, we're going to make it our night. So you'd like to kind of steal the show, huh? Yes. <laughs> I, try to be, I try to get the best out of me. Do you think that uh, it is a title eliminator fight? So in theory, no matter how you win, it should take you to a world title uh, matchup. But do you think it's important to win impressively? Yes, yes, yes. Um, I believe so. Like that, uh, so you can make a statement, you know. I'm here, I mean, I'm here, and I'm going for the title next. All right, Danny, we appreciate you. Uh, taking the time to visit with us and uh, good luck to you on September 26th and moving forward as well. Thank you, Mr. Albertstein. Take care. Have a good one. Perfect. That was great. Thank you, Danny. Good to see you again. Nice to see you too. <laughs> it's been I'll be there with we'll all the fighter interviews and everything. And uh, I, w I wish you the best. I'll tell you what's nice. You have so many good fights uh, potentially in that. I think that weight division, your weight division, is the best in boxing. Mm -hmm. yeah. You know? You guys got so many good fighters in there. Uh, and, uh, I, you know, there's going to be a lot of big fights. And, you know, it's great that they're, they're kind of featuring that whole division on the pay-per-view. It's great. Um, it gives a, well, it's given a great name, too, for the Super Bantamweights the upcoming fighters too and uh we're getting more exposure because usually it was the you could say from the waterways going up to heavyweights they got most of the exposure so now like uh you see that the super bantamweight and the low classes are getting uh more more exposure as well so it's it's good it's good for us yeah people will good. get to know us yes yeah for sure all right hey danny thank you so much for uh, taking the time <laughs> thank all you right. mr al See I'll you see soon. You. I'll see you on uh, round the 26. Well, I'll yes, see you on sir. Zoom probably. I probably won't see you in person because we'll do all our Friday meetings by Zoom these days, right? Okay. Uh, so, so there's no press conference, right? Oh, uh, well, I don't know. There'll be something. Probably, I'm going to say they'll probably do a, I don't know. I don't deal with that part of it. But I know we'll do our fighting meters, meter, fighter meetings with you over Zoom. But they'll probably do a, uh, um, I'm going to say they'll probably do the press conference uh, over Zoom, too. I don't know. That's a good question. Oh, okay. Yeah, I'm not sure. Well, well with this pandemic uh, going on. <laughs> my life is different now. <laughs> yes, sir. All right. Hey, take care of yourself. And thank Bye -bye. you, Mr. L. All right. Bye. Take care.
So Danny Roman, uh, hoping that he can uh, win uh, on September 26th and then get a chance to fight for the world title again. Uh, we are excited. Well, we're excited about two things. Number one, we're excited that next week we have Kevin Cunningham as our guest. Uh, he is the trainer of Erickson Lubin, who's going to be on that September 19th card that we will have on Showtime, uh, <clears throat> taking on uh, uh, Turo Gachet uh, in a, a very good 154-pound uh, match. We are even more excited that this show... Um, Al Bernstein Unplugged is now a television show and uh, has already debuted on many of the outlets that it will be showing on. And Trip, where uh, our TV show is reaching 183 million homes. This is really amazing. Uh, Al, we first talked to you about doing the show, the podcast in March, and then we go, you know what, let's, let's video it. We'll put it on YouTube. And uh, we reached out to a mutual friend of ours, Kelly Kantz, and, and she had tremendous success uh, reaching out to networks around the world, for that matter, and people want to see this show, so I couldn't be more excited. Yeah, we, uh, we, we have been uh, putting together TV shows, and as I said, the first one airing this week. We're on a number of different outlets. For those of you watching in Canada, we're on the Fight Network, and that also is here in the United States, U2 America, uh, Eleven Sports. Uh, AMG TV, uh, many, many outlets, um, the Action Channel, the Family Channel. So we're in a lot of different outlets where hopefully everybody can reach us. And we're not done yet because we're going to be adding more outlets. Uh, also, the CW stations in the Caribbean, where there's a, a large contingent of boxing fans. So very excited about it. It's a chance for us to, to uh, put this product on television. Uh, in a shorter form as a half hour show and add things. Uh, the next show that's going to be <clears throat> airing on TV is going to be a very special um, preview to that September 26th uh, pay-per-view card. So on that one, we're going to have a lot of extra um, features and segments that I think you'll get a kick out of. So we've expanded our horizons to, uh, to television as well. Well, we're so glad that you joined us on this podcast. And in uh, our next one, uh, please uh, join us again. And on that one, again, we'll have Kevin Cunningham, the fine trainer, uh, boxing trainer, who I've known for many, many years and is now training Erickson Lubin. And he is an engaging and interesting man. Uh, thanks to Tripp for his help. Thanks to Lee for his help in producing this uh, show. And we'll see you next time. <laughs>